0: Hi, I'm Dr. Pam Peak, and welcome to episode 386 of HER, the podcast where you're gonna hear the naked truth about her mind, her body, her life, and today, her age. Yeah, it's all about aging. All right, we have a terrific show coming up with possibly one of my most iconic guests, uh, and we've had her before, so I just can't wait to begin the discussion. Just know that this episode is made possible by our terrific friends at solare Vitamins. And, you know, uh, especially as we age, we have a lot of nutritional gaps. And it's important that we fill them. And multiple vitamins, um, oftentimes, will do that well. And liposomal multiple vitamins, ones that are protected from the stomach acid and allow for more optimal digestion are really important for us. So in the women's formula, that is so terrific. So it's a liposomal multivitamin for women. All right, and run on over to solaray.com to learn more. And here's your first reminder to click on iTunes after this episode to rate and review the show because I listen to your feedback and absolutely love it. All right, it's time for Her. Her, the podcast. The naked truth about women. Her mind, her body, her life. It's all about Her. Now, I've got a bee in my bonnet. I do. Now, as I've been getting older myself, um, all of a sudden... Oh, really? Not me. Yeah. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. Who knew? I'm aging. (laughs) I mean, seriously. So... Uh, This whole issue of of aging, I'm working right now with um, a femtech uh, group that's uh, MIT-based um, that really is looking at this whole uh, part of a woman's life from perimenopause to menopause. I'm just laughing because in our society, after the age of 40, women just fall off a cliff and nobody cares anymore. It's all about fertility, youth, and all the rest of it. And and God bless all of you. And, and, and totally awesome, right? But how about the other 60 years of your life, you know, which is basically the majority? And. And then what, what I find is that there's this collision between you know what this part of her life is in her 40s and 50s and also aging. And it especially hits women in a, a pretty funky way. So who better to address this issue than my all-time go-to expert in, in, in the aging sector, and that's Ashton Applewhite. It all began... Um, Uh, a number of years ago um, when I watched her TED talk, which was quite frankly, jaw dropping. She's not only articulate, entertaining, she's ridiculously smart. And I said, okay, she has to become my new best friend. That's it. So author and activist Ashton Applewhite is the author of This Chair Rocks, a manifesto against ageism. And, you know, it's interesting. In 2016, she joined PBS site Next Avenue's annual list of 50 influencers in aging as their influencer of the year and she's been Recognized by New York Times New Yorker National Public Radio. I could go on forever Please And you don't. get the point that <laughs> yeah, I know seriously this could this could get ugly really quickly and all I can say is Ashton is literally my savior in helping parse all of this craziness going on out there and help us define a new narrative for aging. So Ashton, with that pretty wild introduction, just saying, um, welcome to the her podcast again.
1: Uh, thank you, Pam. It's wonderful to be here. And I would love to lead with a question for your listeners.
0: Okay, here is- we go.
1: You're absolutely right. You know, there is just a zillion messages that come at us from, frankly, childhood on, um, but it's very, very gendered um, that say that getting older is awful, that experiencing any kind of impairment will be the end of life as we know it, that the end of your fertility is the end of your value as a woman, that if your husband leaves you, you'll never get laid again. I want, the question I have for your listeners is, have you ever thought about where those messages come from? And even more importantly, what message they serve? Ah.
0: Because they, right? Absolutely. Yeah, who's telling us this narrative? And why are we accepting it? They divide us. Right. I mean, and
1: it's, it's easy, it's very flippant to say, you know, it's not, it's, it's not flippant, but to say it is true that a, a message or a company or a friend or whatever can only exploit our insecurities if we agree to it, that's true. But it's really hard to be, you know, to go up against this cultural narrative that barrages us all day long. But I really want people to think about where those messages come from. Because they are not good for us. They divide us. They fill us with huge anxieties that are way out of proportion to your fears. You will have sex again if it's important to you, let me tell you. if you, you know, if you could, if you can accept the fact that, that you are worth having sex with and, and a, you know, that's the thing. If, if we, uh, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to use being sexually active as the barometer at all. It just popped into my, um, you know, my, my mouth as the first example, but, uh, the, you know, name the arena that you can be successful professionally, that you can be, you know, a, a worthwhile, just a worthwhile person in the universe. These messages that say that we women age out of that come from a society that ranks people according to their, you know, beauty and productivity net, really narrowly defined. It comes from patriarchy, which is not about how we look. It's about power. And you, we need look no further than the recent spate of decisions robbing women of our reproductive choice. No matter what side of the issue you are on, women's choices have been stripped away by men in power. And they come from a society that wants us, a capitalistic society that wants us to buy things, right? Fear, insecurity, those make money. No one makes money if people look in the mirror and say, you know what, (laughs) even if I could lose a little or, you know, stand a little more here, a little less there, I, I'm gonna accept myself the way I well, am. Well, you
0: know that that also brings right? us to the point of of happiness. You talk in everything yeah. you talk about in your TED talk, in your book um, about the U curve of happiness. Tell us what that is.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. It, it is. It is. Uh, a curve, if you imagine that you with one end of the graph um, being birth and the other end being death, that shows people are happiest at the beginnings and the ends of our lives. Not in that the, the midlife, I think somewhere in like early 50s is in general, you know, and of course we're talking about all of humanity here, so it's not an exact point, but midlife is the tough part. That's when we have maximum responsibilities, career wise, caregiving wise. That's when we're realizing, like, oh crap, I might not become a ballerina or an astronaut. And that's a really hard reckoning. And the interesting thing is that this curve obtains across class, across culture, across marital status. It is a function of the way aging affects the healthy brain. And I am always saying, like, the scary stuff around aging is real. We need to acknowledge it. It doesn't do any good to whitewash it and say, oh, if you, you know, eat enough kale, do enough sit-ups, you know, nothing bad will happen to you. There's no guarantees. We need to be honest about the scary stuff. But our fears are so out of proportion to reality. Those fears are bad for us. And they make us more vulnerable to what we fear. And if you think about that euchre persisting in a culture that's full of this negative messaging, imagine what it would look like in a culture that was less ageist and less sexist Absolutely. and less homogenous.
0: And and you know, it's interesting. Um, people become fearful when they lack knowledge, when they've yeah. been fed when they've been fed fake news, and um, they accept that. They just sit back and accept that. Um, I, as a woman, uh, to be perfectly blunt with you, am tired of accepting other people's narratives of who I am, what I am. And uh, certainly the aging situation, and listen, uh, girlfriends out there, I don't care how old you are, bingo, you're aging right now. We're all aging and from aging the moment. you're
1: from the minute you're born. It's well, not something
0: that old people do. You know? Exactly. We are well, aging from birth. Well, actually, no. Actually, um, when we're a two-celled thing, um, you know, (laughs) a little blastomere is what we call them, um, you're already growing and and it's taking time. You're actually going through an aging process at that time. So isn't that fascinating? Um, We're running away from the very thing that is our DNA, that is our blueprint for life, our foundation. That's inevitable. I mean, yeah, no one I mean, wants to die young. <laughs> well, yeah, a lot of that going on. And so, you know, you've got to look at this. And so to understand all this, you said it so beautifully. I always remembered this, Ashton. You said, you don't have to be a Buddhist or a billionaire. And um, no. I just, I, I mean, love that's what the,
1: I I can't... You know, I was so skeptical when I encountered the U-curve. I thought, well, that must be true if you're wealthy. That must be true if you're healthy. That must be true if you've achieved the inner peace that eludes me. And it's not true. It is true across, as I said, across um, your economic status. It's true from Australia to Zimbabwe. It is a function of how aging itself affects us. You know, there, of course, there are exceptions. You can be ill. There are people, you know, my mother-in-law always said, that's not true, but it was, but she, she, her husband would say, you know, my, my father-in-law would say, I'm happy and you know for many women late life is a time of enormous power and freedom we are liberated from a lot of those inner voices and structures that tell us what to do and what we should say and how we should be and that's that's fantastic
0: I I, I absolutely love that. And, you know, again, what we're talking about here, Ash, and you and I are little pioneers here, um, you know, pushing against the forces of society's narrative of all of this, especially as it relates to women. Um, And think, think where that narrative comes from oh i know you keep saying that and i keep saying you're so right there's no question about it always question the origin of uh, of any of this messaging who profits well you know ashton then direct yourself right now to the whole issue of Um, women and the value they are to society so you know as a guy is kind of going through his 50s 60s you think of the warren buffets and the you know um they don't give a rat's ass you know what his age is they'll go well and and he's 67 and over the hill no 67 is actually the guy is rocking and rolling here and and could be really you know sitting on those boards making those decisions whatever what about a woman you know, what happens to a woman's worth when her menstrual cycles end? And, you know, a- on average, that's up around the age of 52 in, in the U.S., different in other countries. And so what happens to a woman's worth? What goes on?
1: Well, why on earth should our worth be tied to our reproductive status?
0: Thank you. No. <laughs> All right, moving to the next yeah, subject. I mean, that, no, that but, is but seriously.
1: question of patriarchy and misogyny. I mean, it's rooted in biology. Our fertility does expire. And that's what I mean. We can't, you know, can't brush that under the rug. That's true. I mean, even though, I mean, I I happen to know two friends, both in the UK, who had babies, had gave birth after their, after menopause, thanks to an enormous assist from reproductive technology. So yes, we can tweak that. But the fact is, in this aspect, life is not fair. Men can continue to, you know, make babies to the end and women cannot. But, why, but it is the social and economic structures around us that tether that capacity to our value, which has nothing to do you know, once you're i mean, for me, menopause, you know it freed me up, and whether whether you have a great menopause, easy menopause, hard menopause, whatever, it shouldn't be um it shouldn't be something to which you're value as a human being is linked. That is a function of patriarchy, which is a social system that empowers men, and inevitably that is at the expense of women.
0: I know, I know. And it, 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 again, it's this whole need to step back a hundred paces and and recreate a new definition of this this entire process and also to empower both men and women quite frankly but to empower people especially women with enough knowledge about the normal aging process it, it, as hear, a physician, hear. As, as a physician if i hear one more person say is this normal You know, is this normal? It's like if a child, child, an adolescent, you know, uh, starts having some acne. um, They typically don't say, is this normal? Said, well, you know, your hormones are all over the place right now. And yes, it's normal for you, man. You know, and there it is. But you know what's fascinating? Women's acne comes back for a lot of them in their perimenopause menopause and they are shocked running to dermatology what the hell is this i haven't seen one of these in decades it's a pimple what's going on (laughs) well you know, truth be told, remember those hormonal things that happened to you in the beginning of your, you know, adolescence, whatever, and how they gave you acne. Well, you're going through some, uh, you're going through the other end of the hormonal changes, yeah, yeah. and voila, you're going to have some blemishes, and into you know, the shocked look on their face, like, why the hell didn't someone say something? This really because, acne again. I mean, seriously.
1: It's to see that the silence around menopause. Uh, being broken because the reason there was such stigma around it is because, of course, it, it, it links to ageism. It's it's sexism and you know ageism combined. I want to talk about the health aspects of ageism because we've we, there's so much interesting Let's research do it. coming Let's do it. coming down the line. I, I mean, and I, let me let me contextualize this by saying that a year ago, the World Health organization not the world old people organization launched its global campaign to combat ageism that's the name of it because they realized that the biggest obstacle to making the most of longer lives that everyone around the world statistically speaking is enjoying everyone everywhere is living longer and if we want to increase health span the number of those years that we you know enjoy in reasonably good health Along with lifespan, the biggest global obstacle was ageism how we think, feel, and act about getting older and so that is pretty damn interesting if you act if you ask me because it 's really hard to control your hormones it 's hard to change your lifestyle it 's hard to lose weight or whatever or gain weight whatever but and it is not easy to change our minds to alter habitual ways of thinking and bias. Age bias, we're all biased. That is deeply ingrained habit. So I'm not saying it's easy, but it's free. You know, you can read everything I've written on my website for free. And I want to point out a fantastic, most of the research on this that shows that attitudes towards aging affect how our minds and bodies function at the cellular level has been done by a woman named Becca Levy. And she, her research shows that people with more accurate views of aging live longer, seven and a half years longer. Her research is where that number comes from. Walk, we walk faster. We have better handwriting. We recover more quickly from severe disability, even a severe injury or setback. My favorite of her studies shows that... Um, People with a, again, it's usually framed as a positive attitude towards aging. I don't love that framing because it makes it sound like happy talk. And no, we're not talking about happy talk. We're not talking about whitewashing things. People with a more accurate, accurate view of aging who know more. You're saying like knowledge is power, right? Ignorance breeds fear, knowledge breeds confidence and happiness. So, they are less likely to get Alzheimer's, even if they have the gene that predisposes them to the disease. And more research in addition to hers. I mean, she's at Yale. Her research is superb. There was just another study. All this stuff is on my website for free. And it's all up if you follow me on Twitter, social media, I post all this stuff. Shows and Someone did a huge study, not Becca Levy, of what they called everyday ageism, just sort of the everyday bad stuff we hear about aging, that showed that it affected people's mental health and people's physical health on all these ways. So it's not just one source. And I'll stop talking in one more sentence. God forbid I should tout someone else's book, but Becca's book is, came out just this spring, Becca Levy, Breaking the Age Code, How Your Beliefs About Aging. Determine how long and how well you live. Ageism harms our health.
0: Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Well, I can tell you, and I, I will definitely grab that book, no question about it. It's really good. Oh my gosh. And I, I am aware of her research, and I'm so glad you brought her up um, in general. But, you know, when you feel down and out, when you happen to be um, a woman, who is uh, really overwhelmed with sadness and fear and um, depression about this whole narrative. Guess what? A woman then becomes isolated um, and actually men too. um, And isolation itself is more toxic than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Um, in terms of mortality and morbidity, it is a horrific. Thing. How about if you smoke with your friends? Okay. now, okay. So Ashton, that was like so below the belt. Um no, but literally, um, yeah, don't bring up smoking because I become violent about that disgusting habit. I have I have
1: never smoked. I just it was just a cheap shot. I couldn't resist.
0: I love it. This is why I love you, Ashton. <laughs> so seriously, um, you know, it leads to so much, you know, anyone who feels discriminated against, um, and and you know, stigmatized and is living within the prison of a stereotype that they have um, accepted as the narrative of their life. Um, suffers horrific consequences. And this goes no kidding. everything
1: and it's, it's I mean and it is not easy to break free of it. I'm not likely saying, "Oh, just change. You know, your ingrained way of thinking that you've had for 20, 30, 40 years, but we know that it's possible. And an example, um, and a, I'll, I'll use the example of, of being, you know, of dating, of being sexually active as an example, but pick your, you know, your activity could, could be anything. Um, if you look at your friends who are sexually active, they are not the thinnest. They are not the youngest. They are not the prettiest. They are the ones, the women, I'm speaking in a gendered context. They are the women who have succeeded in beating past, beating down, you know, this, 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 this sexist, ageist, misogynist narrative to, to realize like, no, I'm not going to be constrained by that. I'm not going to let those toxic messages define me. I am worth being with in the world, whether as a friend or an employee or a lover, you know, in any domain, it's not easy, but it's doable because those narratives come from outside us and they are punishing and divisive. And, and toxic
0: i know i, I it, and I don't think people fully you know what they do they son of i think you said it at the beginning of of our discussion they sit there quietly. And they they keep it to themselves.
1: Yeah, and it's not like you know, you and I walk out the door every morning, you know, to a big meeting or whatever, and go like, oh man, I have all the power in the world, and I look fabulous. We all have those mornings, those moments. You know, sometimes all the time we're like, oh crap, you know, what have I signed up for? How can I possibly do this? I look like, you know, I don't look good. Whatever. So it's not you know it's not a, it's not an either or you don't like suddenly get the memo and go out there a superwoman every day, but when we start again to think about where those messages come from and to chip away at their hold on us, then the whole edifice starts to feel shakier and we acquire more confidence in our own experience which the, which is that being being older is an enormous source to me of confidence. Right? And I know myself better. I don't sweat the small stuff as much. I have clearer priorities. All those things that are enormously valuable and they weren't available to me earlier in life.
0: You know, it's interesting. I really started diving into this big time back in, oh my goodness, it was uh, 2015. Um, And in 2015, I had the um, distinct pleasure of visiting Costa Rica and one of the great Blue Zones, and that's Nicoya. Um, And there they had Panchita, who was one of the most famous. uh, There was a whole... uh, um chapter devoted in the uh, blue zone book um about her and uh, the blue zones for everyone are obviously the places where around the world that tend to have heavy concentrations of centenarians and they're all thriving and they're just rocking and rolling so okinawa sardinia um, places like that and nicoya is one of them and uh i actually had the unbelievable fortunate luck of visiting her meeting her um, up in the jungle um, where uh, many of these people live in this impossibly beautiful countryside um, and uh, I love the name of the the area she lives in it's called mansion um, which is the word for mansions and that's the last thing you're ever going to see there what you're going to see are humble abodes you know with uh, people growing their own food Um, and just really thoroughly enjoying life. When I visited Panchita, um, she had just turned a 100 and hold on now, my memory, Um, she had just turned 107. And um, she was absolutely rocking. Seven generations of her family were alive at one time seven and there was this wow. great picture of them and her great my kids better get cracked. dude let's let's do it now you know and <laughs> and her great granddaughter was taking care of her if you can imagine her great granddaughter was her caregiver well wow. in the house i mean it just was like blew your mind and the thing i noted was um a ridiculous amount of peace and calm and i as a physician um, I had to say that uh, I had a laugh when um, they told me out of all those years in her life, Ashton, not once did a doctor ever visit her up there. Not once. Yeah. And she, she had the kids at home, da da da, and all the rest of it. And every now and then they might, you know, put together a little herbal paste or something like that. But honestly, I was like, you know, girlfriend, I'm right behind you. Stay away from doctors, <laughs> but you know, and, and a lot of that craziness. And it was just, you know, uh, what she also taught me was it was so fascinating. Was she knew when she was going to go, and you know, I her birthday's November. I was visiting at Christmas time right around, you know, like December, taking the whole month off and enjoying Costa Rica and this and that. And uh, her great granddaughter said to me, you know, I'm noticing something different about her. Almost every single day she wakes up. Now she's fairly blind, fairly deaf, but you know, she gets around, you know what I mean? I mean, obviously she's quite much more frail and this and that, but she's kind of enjoying life and everything. And she would ask one question. And the question was, is it my birthday yet? And she just had her birthday in November and she kept this up apparently all year long. You know, I had left then by January 1st and this and that. And I followed the news on her cause she's one of the country's biggest heroes, you know, cause of all the attention. Long story short, uh, she made it to 108. That was the following November. And, um, you know, they had a monster celebration. The whole town came. I mean, it was just a crazy time all the way around. And it was just magnificent. She went to bed that night and was dead the next morning. And and you know what she taught me? I sat there and I thought about this. You know, she had the world's longest health span. She was rocking and rolling Mm -hmm. and letting it rip and having a good time within the constraints of her in you know impairments and this and that right i we
1: have to point out that health yeah. is not a binary yeah. you know we 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 have to adapt to physical
0: change we did and she did and and she was just you know any of us who have pets i certainly do you know like these are my furry family members so i'm a proud parent german shepherds and you know i'm saying to myself um you know at the end of the day they know and, and you can almost tell, and, and as they become impaired, they they have workarounds, um, they don't complain much, and that's the way to go. And just to have a rich health span, to your point, and then literally to spend 24 hours, you know, dying and, and you're done, you know, and so you sort of fall off the curve then. And that's sort of my goal in life, just to kind of, you know, go out kicking, um, but, what we see now is because of ageism it's eroding our ability to do that don't you think
1: well i think yeah i think it has all sorts of pernicious effects it it affects i mean the most important component of a good old age is not health or wealth it is having a solid social network which this woman clearly had she you know living in a village is a really good way to ensure that because in a village everyone is visible and everyone has their organic place in the community from babies to centenarians we live in a you know in the west in much more fragmented worlds we live isolated in big houses we are tend to have we're very age segregated society so you know one thing that ageism does is encourage and sanction age segregation isolation Partly as a, you know, if you're not around people who are different from you, whether it could be different in sexual orientation, different race, different sports team, it's, it's very hard to build, you know, to, to realize like, oh, there are people like me, right? We need to be, to, to encounter people different from us in order for our stereotypes, our beliefs about those people to fall away and realize like, oh, well, someone's conservative, someone's progressive, someone loves football and someone likes, you know, soccer, whatever, uh, so age ageism really is it's bad for our health in ways we've discussed. It's terrible for our self esteem, which is pernicious, and it's bad for the world in which we live. Do you think it's bad for our wallets if you can't get a job as Well, there's person. a lot of
0: that going on. Oh my there, god. There's
1: a lot of that going on. It's worse for women, but men too, you know, it's true that they um, are, are, I just read, someone wrote today, which I thought was clever, he said women, he was referring, writing about women in Hollywood, he said, you know, male actors get older, male, female actors get old, which is, which is screwed up because old should not be a pejorative, but somehow men are given a lease for longer, but in the work world, men too, experience terrible age discrimination. So there is no, there is no domain that age bias does not infect and corrupt.
0: Let me ask you a question. Yeah, you know, I'm listening to you, and and something occurs to me because you you brushed on um, on this uh, briefly. What do you think of villages? Um, when I say that, I mean man-made um, that um, only have people 55 and over in them. Um, and so you know, you obviously you can have grandchildren and children visit you and this and that, but they're not living in the community versus an intergenerational uh, type of setup?
1: You know, I think that if I think we should have lots of choices, ideally, most of that has an awful lot to do with needless to say, our socioeconomic status, a lot of those places are expensive. So, the minute we're, you know, I think if, if that's what you want, more power to you, it's not what I want because I want to live in as diverse a community as possible. And, you know, I'm, I may break my hip stumbling over, you know, goddamn tricycle, but I want, I want to be, you know, kept awake at night by music that I'm not familiar with because I wanted to hear what other people are listening to. I want to be around people who are different from me. I want to have new ideas introduced to me, which is not to say that if I was around everyone my my same age, there would only be the same set of ideas. Older people are more diverse, more different from each other than younger people. That's a really important point. Heterogeneity increases with age. So just because, you know, which is, if you think about those idiotic marketing checklists that like are selling to people like 18 to 22 and then 22 to 29 and then 29 to 34 and end at age 65, that's just when our diversity is is mind bogglingly expanding. But I digress. I think that age diverse, age, um, same age, you know, olders only communities are impoverishing. But I also think that that's my decision for me, and that it should be up to you to age in whatever community you want to, if you can afford it.
0: Yeah, I, hope I you can I, afford it. I, yeah, I think about that, and yeah, you're absolutely right to your point. Options are ridiculously important, no question yeah. about it. Um, I just happened to have visited. One of these huge, huge communities, because I was doing um, an, an event, um, you know, in the geographic region. I'd always been curious about a community that only, you know, uh, housed people who are fifty-five and over um, in in a diversity of kind of housing, everything from condos to yeah. townhomes to full-on, you know, freestanding homes, and this and that. And it was an immense community in Florida. I mean, one
1: thing they provide is support of all the kinds you need. And, you know, I asked Bill Thomas once, the geriatrician, a physician like you, I said, Bill, what's your take on this whole aging in place thing? Because people want to stay typically in their homes for reasons that are totally legitimate and for reasons that are totally delusory and have to do with bias, which is like nothing's going to change. Like everything's gonna stay the same. Well, it's not. You're gonna need help shoveling your drivewalk. You're gonna need help cleaning out the gutters. You're gonna need more help. And he said aging and so and I my as an anti-ageism person, I don't love the denial, you know, the denial that we're getting older, that we are gonna need more help that I think plays a part in a lot of people's fierce desires to age in place, but we should all all have choices. But what Bill said really stuck with me. He said, aging in place is just fine as long as it means aging in community. And a lot of these um, senior residences provide fantastic community. I wish that my mother-in-law, whom I mentioned before, she was an enormously sociable person. And she got lonely as she got older. Bill was, they were devoted to each other, but he was less interested in the world than she was. And we were completely unable to persuade them to even look at... Some of the really nice senior communities that they could have gone to, um, and you know, I think they would have been happier. But it was their decision, and they could afford to live
0: alone, and you know, they did. Well, you know, there's. I I, I think your point is ridiculously well taken. There's also something else. Many of these communities, and and this is interesting. You know, as a physician, I'm really deep into this. Um, Many of these kind of senior communities, for lack of a better term, um, also have uh, end of life um, continuums. So, for yeah, instance, which is fantastic, which, which I think is very cool. So, if it's very clear that after a stroke or you know impairment, otherwise, and this and that, that you can't do independent living anymore, then you end up graduating, as it were, or or transitioning. Uh, probably better term um, to um, uh, what Assists, they call assisted in- living. Well, actually, it's it's called independent living. So you go from a home to independent living, which is a specific um, kind of facility on campus where you're going to have a nice, you know, condo, whatever, but they also have all of the help that you need. So there'll be a caregiver so, and they'll, you know. that's a perfect setup.
1: Thank you for the very contrarian thing I'm about to say, which is Uh-oh. independent living is a ridiculous misnomer. Yes. I would are like to take the word. <laughs> no one is Pam. No yeah. child is independent, no one when we have children and need help, no one when we're in school. Think of all the people that provide all the services that every human being on the planet needs every day. There is no such thing as independence and the whole holding up of independence and there's air quotes around it this time. As the goal I think is so it's deeply classist because wealthy people can afford to purchase the supports that make it appear like we're independent. Someone to drive us around, for example, or someone to, you know, help us down the stairs or whatever. But even that is an illusion. There's no such thing as independence. Those those communities, you know, I, I love the phrase assisted living because we all need help all the time. We need help if we break our ankle when we're 16, right? So this idea that somehow aging we do, it's, it's tricky because it's absolutely right to push back against the notion that aging equals frailty, that aging equals sickness, but to ignore the fact that, that a cognitive decline is not inevitable, but some part of your body going to fall apart. And the more we hide that under euphemisms like independent living and aspiring to independence and acting and people in, in those homes who don't want walkers. Cluttering up the living room. I once was on a panel with, with Glenn Campbell's widow, who was lovely and who talked about his his uh, Alzheimer's and the support they needed. And she talked about the decision to finally move him into a wonderful facility. And she showed a picture of it. It looked like some sort of uh, paradise, or at least I think somewhere in Arizona with these adobe roofs and this beautiful courtyard and all these you know old people there was not a walker or a wheelchair in sight. That kind of sanitizing is wrong. It is wrong because we know they're there. And when you hide them, you contribute to stigma and denial. And that stigma and denial is what messes us up. Shame is worse for us than than externally imposed stigma or conditions that, oh my God, I mean, I have met firsthand people and heard from other physicians, you tell me, you can tell I'm getting worked up here, but who cannot get their older patients to use a walker or a cane, even though the person then keeps falling puts themselves at risk of a really serious injury because of the shame and stigma. We need to acknowledge that as we get older, we're going to need those things. Not all of us, maybe not permanently, but we are. And there shouldn't be any shame. I have a friend in his 80s who's been diagnosed with Parkinson's. He won't use a goddamn cane, and he's going to end up really hurting himself. And it's maddening for his wife and family and the people who care for him.
0: And that that goes. Uh, that's very true for hearing aids. So um, I. <laughs> Funny you I, I mention mean, that. Well, now I'm, okay. I'm bringing that up because it is so ubiquitous. It's like, oh, I'm not going to wear a hearing aid because that's what old farts, you know, wear, and and horrible stereotypes like that. And then they horrible. use this kind and, of verbiage,
1: you know, back to isolation deafness is
0: profoundly
1: isolating if you can't hear what's going on you can't be part of the conversation i am about (laughs) the call that came in just before yours was from my audiologist i lost much of my hearing in my left ear to an acoustic neuroma which is a benign brain tumor um a couple of years ago and i just i went back and i said i think i'm deaf And she said yeah you are you need to move from one hearing aid to two so tomorrow oh joy I'm going to be fitted with a a device. There's a hearing technology that will beam somehow magic um, from your better hearing ear to the more impaired ear. And, you know, am I happy about this? No, but I wear that hearing aid, believe me. And you don't even notice they're there. You do not notice them and they recharge. So it's like you put them, you know, you put them in the battery thing at night and you put them on in the morning and you don't even know they're there. Where's the shame?
0: I know. And, and what, what we also have is new science that has shown um, the increased morbidity and mortality with people who um, are hearing impaired um, and are either not able to access appropriate hearing aids or refuse to use them. And it so. It is disgusting you know, that
1: Medicare does not oh, cover God. hearing. don't even start and with
0: me on that one.
1: Please Ask run just, a campaign about that. It is uh, disgusting. Yeah, because just, they are
0: expensive. It's just so a ridiculous. It's it's like people are written off, um, and and it's like and,
1: and there's a correlation with dementia. We don't know. It's not whether it, you know you can't say one causes the other, but it makes sense. What what helps build protection, reserve against Alzheimer's is mental stimulation. And if you are not being part of the conversation, part of the world around you, because you cannot hear, you're not being stimulated in that way. And that's really bad for us.
0: And since women live longer than men, at least according to the last statistics, I look, everything seems to be changing, but women still live longer than men, then it's really on women To navigate this and most importantly I don't know about you but I tend to be like a crazy person about proactivity I like to have a heads up I like to have a plan how about a strategy so if you know all of this is a potential in your life then you know are we putting together a plan to be able to address all of this and then wipe the shock off our face when it occurs
1: the reason I have I I I the reason they knew I had an acoustic neuroma, i sorry, I don't mean to set myself up as misperfection. Believe me, I screw up all the time. But I used to work in a science museum, and I know the importance of baselines. We can't measure the effect of climate change or an invasive species or anything unless we have, we know what it started out, what, what, what it looked like when we first started measuring. That is a baseline. Have a hearing test. It was because they had my baseline to look at that the doctor said, hmm, you have abnormal hearing loss. Let's do that MRI and just rule out. She said, I'm sure you don't have an acoustic neuroma. Well, and I'm like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to have that. Well, ha I did. And I, you know, I did have severe hearing loss, but at least I was able to rescue some of the hearing. So really, really important. Have a baseline test. You're probably fine. But that way when you're tested again in five or 10 years, and if I'd been tested five years later, you know they but hindsight is 2020 20. i probably could have saved more hearing but have that hearing test just like have your vision tested just like you have your blood pressure tested all those other things so that the doctors can see later on is anything changing in a way that suggests that there's a medical problem that's you know something
0: Ashton, oh my gosh, I wish I could talk to you for like hours and hours and hours and hours and I'm just realizing, oh, I have to bring We're this out to of time. a close. <laughs> uh. So I want everyone out there to know um, that the book is This Chair Rocks, a manifesto against ageism. And it's written It doesn't by- sound
1: like it's fun to read, but it is.
0: It's actually a gas and a half, and I got to tell you, Ashton Applewhite, our wonderful guest, is a ridiculously phenomenal writer, um, and she's fun, articulate, um, and nails it. And she could get she can get right down and dirty about the the truth. Of all of this and so you know Ashton I'm just blessed that you're my friend and we're all blessed that you wrote this damn book um, so that we can actually avail ourselves of this and run on over to her website which is this chair rocks with an S dot com, this chairrocks dot com, and then avail yourself of all of her totally cool social media um which keeps you up to date on all of her, you know, comings and goings within the world of um really anti aging and um anti ageism. So uh, that's um,
1: such an easy slip to make. I know. And and I just it, there's a little bit about what I'm up to, but I really try and use it on Facebook, Twitter, um, LinkedIn to, to let people know what's happening in the news, in popular culture, in science around what we know about aging, ageism. See, I just did it. What we know about ageism and how it um, affects us.
0: Yes. and And so, you know, knowledge is power you know, listeners of the Herb podcast, knowledge is power. So whenever I do these podcasts, I want you all to just take a million notes and walk away feeling empowered. And we certainly did today. Ashton, thank you so much for being on the Herb podcast. You're welcome, Pam. A pleasure. Awesome. And now everyone run on over to iTunes, rate and review the show because I want to hear from you. Why? Because I'm Dr. Pam Peek, host of the Her Podcast. Follow me on Facebook at Dr. Pam Peek or Twitter and Instagram at Pam Peake MD. And remember to catch every single episode of the Her Podcast on iTunes, Radio MD, and all of the major platforms. Thanks for listening today. Please stay safe and stay well.